may be seated as we go into our prayer time. Uh, a couple of prayer requests. Um, our friend, as I mentioned last week, a colleague of mine has found uh, that what you sow is what you reap and uh, just continue to pray for him and his family during this um, tragic time. And a couple friends of mine, they were involved in, uh, one was in a serious accident, and he severed part of his pancreas. He had to do Whipple surgery. He's a young guy, played basketball with him. He's probably early 30s, 32, 33 maybe. And so for Brett, we pray for his recovery. We are going to take up a love offering this week and next so we can, as a church, give to these people that don't even attend our church. What about that thought? And then this guy, Jose, Jose, I work with him up at Top Notch from Venezuela. He's come to life group that he used to be a police officer in Venezuela. He actually was shot in the head and he had a scar to show that when he was in Venezuela and he was under attack and he was uh, shot in the head, he um, gave his life to God. Like he knew about God. He grew up with a faith or a religion, but he wanted to follow Jesus. Jose has been in the hospital for the last week and a half or so, but has been struggling with this leg infection that they can't seem to figure out. Again, he's from Venezuela working at Top Notch. His medical bills are ever increasing. And so uh, for Brett and for Jose as a church, I would like us to take up a love offering today and uh, next week that we could give to them to say, hey, we as a church want to say, hey, we want to pray for you, but this might help as well. So we pray for one another because we are the church. So I'm just going to ask that we all close our eyes. And if you have any prayer requests that you would just like us to remember, uh, just lift your hand so I can pray and uh, we can pray for you. If there's a request that you are going through or that you would um, ask Jesus to intervene, just raise your hand and Jesus, we thank you that you love us and you are for us. We thank you that we can worship you. We thank you for your name, Jesus, that that is powerful. It's not just a name, but it is you, the person, you, our Savior, the lover of our soul, the giver of your life that we might have abundant life. So, Jesus, here we are. We are calling on your name, Jesus, that you might do what only you can do. Salvation. Freedom. Healing, joy, hope, peace, help. You know, you know, and that's all that we need. We worship your name, Jesus, today. And we say, let your will be done right here as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you. 
Sometimes people take the Lord's name in vain. This is not said out of anger. This is said out of reverence and acknowledging who Jesus is. So everybody, out loud, whisper the name Jesus. Jesus. A little bit louder this time. Jesus. Close your eyes and think about what he's done for you. Jesus. Again. Jesus. Jesus. We cry out to him, the one that loves us. The one that wants to give us freedom and healing. The one that wants to save our spouse, our neighbor, our children, our nephew. The one that cares. We call out on the name of Jesus. The one that convicts. The one that restores. The one that heals. We cry out, Jesus. Because you, Jesus, are good. You, Jesus, are so good. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. This would be an appropriate time to clap for who Jesus is and God's goodness to us. God is so good. God is good. And so are these guys. Thank you so much for leading us into worship. It's always a blessing to have you with us and to share your heart. And just knowing Pat and Allison, it's not to make you feel weird, but I say it every week, I hope, when that you are here. It's not you just singing, it's your heart comes out. As God forgives us and works in us, your heart. And we just want to lift up uh, Pat and Allison's two children as well as they grow up. And as we as a family, we try to lead, but we want believers, we want Christians to intersect their families' lives and just lift up God to them to show kindness in that way. So we pray for you guys as well. And Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as we continue, the bags, uh, offering bags, if you want to give a special offering to Jose or Brett, or just put special offering in the memo or uh, designate it some way, we'll take that the next two um, offerings and give that to them. So thank you so much uh, for allowing us to help in that way. We are looking to uh, do a baptism this year as we have not done or had a baptism in a couple years. So if you want to be baptized or you know of somebody that's interested in believer's baptism, that we might know that we can remember them, we can pray for them. They want to be known and seen as a believer. Uh, let's have a baptism. And as we uh, just share with those online, we welcome you in. We wish you were here. And uh, we just um, share that you can spread the sermon online as it's on YouTube. And um, it says it all there behind me. But um, won't you say a prayer right now that uh, God open our ears to hear your truth. So you can say it in your head, say it out loud. God open our ears to hear your truth. God, open our ears to hear your truth. If you've read ahead in Acts, then you understand why I'm saying that. This is a quote I've shared the last two weeks. It seems odd that certain men who talk so much of what the Holy Spirit reveals to themselves should think so little of what he has revealed to others. So we look at the book of Acts. This is not Acts of the Apostles. This is Acts of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus has done for us. As we began over a year ago, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jesus speaking, telling people about Jesus everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't think the Wilsons were here when I began this series, but they could have been. So uh, we are glad that you guys are here. We look at Genesis 50, 20, how we shared last week 
Joseph, he thought, well, let me just read it. Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. You intended it for harm. You thought it was going to turn out bad. You probably had shame and guilt and remorse and conviction, but God had a plan all along. So we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Write it down. Remember, quote it, memorize it, just soak in it. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Each of you to the interests of others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. So now we get on with Acts, Acts verse 1 of chapter 16. Paul went first to Derby and then Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer and his father was a Greek. So uh, a little bit of context, maybe, if you don't really realize or understand, in the old days, which could have been five years ago, could have been 30 years ago, in the old days, if you would have seen me, you would say, hey, that guy's Asian, and then you saw my wife, you would say, hey, she's not Asian. This is kind of similar to what was taking place in the context of this story. But why was Paul going by himself when, when we read about Paul before? He was with... Oh, very good. He was with Barnabas. But now Paul's by himself because there was a split. There was something that got in the way. So Paul went one way. Barnabas went the other. Paul and Barnabas, very godly Christian men using our terminology. But there was still a split. There was still a divide. We would say in the Christian culture, they multiplied the ministry of God. That's a polite way to say they had a disagreement. They didn't get along, but they both loved Jesus. So God took them in different directions. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. Who was John Mark? Anybody? I did not share it last week. Well, because it came up in my notes this week, which I found very intriguing because I thought it should have been in my notes last week. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. So that would make sense that he would want to take his cousin with him. But Paul said, no, you deserted me once. I'm not going to have you do it again. Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in this place and it had not continued with them in their work. So Paul said, no, we are not taking your cousin. Have you not learned your lesson of what happened? Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took his cousin and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and uh, as he left, the believers had trusted uh, him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. What did he do to the churches? Did he rebuke the churches? Did he say, you're evil and sinful and apathetic? Were they? If they're like our churches today? Yes. But he chose to say, you can grasp on to the truth of who Jesus is and know that the Holy Spirit convicts. So as you go after him, he's going to reveal, he's going to convict, he's going to make new so we can be strengthened to understand, yes, I need to change. But instead of feeling guilty or shameful or, oh, I probably should. It's like, no, because God loved me so much. I, in return, out of my love for him, want to go after who Jesus is. Trust that God is consistent with scripture. So this happened, it says in uh, uh, verse one, that Timothy was a young disciple. Timothy was a 
Timothy was a young disciple. Well, this dispute happened because Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit uh, each city where we previously preached the word to see how the... So Timothy was a young disciple. This all happened, this split, because uh, Barnabas wanted to take his cousin to new believers. I found that interesting because perhaps Paul thought that the new believers might look at John Mark's desertion as a viable option if or when their life got difficult. I've heard speakers, I've seen uh, people at schools or Christian camps where they share their testimony of the drugs, the sex, the rock and roll. I don't know why rock and roll gets thrown in, but it always does. So maybe it just, but it's all there. And then you have some kid that said, yeah, but you made it. So I'm going to explore. I'm going to try it. Because what a great testimony of God's grace, his faithfulness, his patience, because you did it and you made it out. Maybe. That's why Paul said, I don't know if that's the best example for new believers. That's just something I was curious when I looked at this. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra. Timothy was a young disciple. So it could have been young in his faith, but most likely it was young in age and young in his faith. Uh, Timothy, he wrote... Um, uh, first and second Timothy, or Paul wrote to him, and this is what you told him as uh, being a young person. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The NIV instead of conduct, it says life. But set an example for the believers in your speech, in your conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. I've been at camps. I've spoken at camps where people like when they read, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. They said, yeah, fight the power. That's right. We're going to do. No, that's what we're saying. Set the example. That's why it is very interesting, fascinating that when there's an altar call at a camp or a setting, a lot of times the youth will be the first ones down. Why? Because they know they don't have to fake it till they make it. They know that they're broken. They know that there's just something. They can set the example by we need to be the first to confess our sins. We need to be the first to say, I need Jesus because there's no way I can do it. Because as much as I love my parents, they're not perfect. So Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Why am I saying this to you? Because I, this is my life verse. I get hung up on this verse. I like this verse. This is good. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I am free to do what I want. I am free because I'm going to heaven. I'm free because I confess my sins. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, so I am free. I have the liberty. I can do what I want because God has forgiven me. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery, the yoke of sin. So for freedom that Christ has set us free, I thought there would be an amen. Amen. That's a good thing. Amen. 
Am I not as free as anyone else? This is Paul writing to the church. Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with our own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? He's saying, look at my record. Look what's happened. Look how God knocked me off my horse and just blinded me so I could not just follow him, but give my whole life for him, my whole future, every desire that I wanted. That is now for God. You saw my past. Now you see how I'm going after Jesus. Like, can't you look at my example? But he said, I'm not saying look at my rights. I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about my preaching without charge. I'm not saying look at me because of what I've done. I'm saying look at what God's done in and through me. Look at Jesus. There's a point to this as we have to give some context because you are praying that God would open our ears to hear what he wants to tell us in Acts chapter 1. Even though I am a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And the, uh, well, let me finish. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Verse 22 from the NIV. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become I've become all things to whoa, 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 whoa. I've become all things to the church people. I've become all things to, you know, my voting uh, alignment. I've become all things to, you know, my family members. I've become all things to like those that are Wesleyans. I've become all things to those that wake up on Sunday morning and attend at 9 a.m. I've become all things to those people. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I will say the Bible is very consistent with the Bible. The Holy Spirit is consistent with the Bible. Though I do believe in the gifts. I do believe in what God can do because God did it in the past. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do it. I believe that God is consistent with Scripture. So if you think, so I can sin to win sinners to Jesus. That's not what it's saying. But, you know, it might not be a sin. It just doesn't look very good. But mom, like, get over it. It's just long hair. All things to all people, all possible means to win some. It doesn't say anything about cutting your hair in the Bible, only if, like, you're uh, Samson. But that was way back when. So let's not even talk about that unless God convicts me. Or if God convicts you to convict me, Ask God to convict me so I don't have to listen to your conviction of what God told you to tell me. But be very careful, however, going back to chapter 8. So this is a chapter just before Paul said, do all things to win some. Be very careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. If I am with my friend who has been sober now for three years, and I say, hey, let's go out. 
He's like, sure, let's go out. Where do you want to go? It's like, oh, there's this new bar. They just opened. There's free drinks. I know you've been sober, so like you feel free to get like club soda or water, whatever you drink, Diet Coke. And, but hey, but come with me because it's this new place. It's really hopping and, you know, free drinks for me and no drinks for you. And like, come, it's going to be really fun. You should not do that. That is not wise. Don't be a stumbling block to those that are weak in this contest. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating if in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them, this is way wound their weak conscience. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. This is where you guys are like, oh, when are we done? If you're with a friend and that friend has been sober and they've struggled with alcoholism and it's a serious problem. If whenever you're with that friend, you can never take a drink because you know it's going to be a bad witness to them. You know it's going to bring them down. It's going to cause them to stumble. If you can never hang out with them in a public setting because they're going to be tempted if you have a drink, are you willing never to have a drink with that person for the sake of their Well, come on, Jeff. They can make their own decision. If you're with somebody that is saying, I have an issue, I have a problem, God's convicted me, I'm trying to change. So we go back to Acts. So Paul wanted Timothy to join him in his journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. In deference, respected and esteemed due to a superior or an elder, in consideration of. It got quiet in a hurry. Tithing. Oh, don't talk about my money. It's too personal. Oh, don't talk about sexual behavior and lust because that's too personal. Don't talk about my identity should be in Christ because that's too personal. Don't talk about gossip because that's too personal. Don't talk about like me giving something to God because that's too personal. It's my own decision. Don't talk to me about I need prayer for because that's too personal. It's just going to be between me and God. Can you imagine this kid in high school, this kid, he's like 15 years old. And Paul says, hey, kid, time to get circumcised because it's going to help your witness. So I know it's a little uncomfortable, but we need to read the Bible for the context. This is what Paul is saying. This is what we have to do. Now, it's giving up your right for the sake of someone else. We might think, hey, that's way too personal. Do we understand that God's calling us to live differently because hell is real? Do we understand that time is shorter today than it was yesterday? I'm not going to say that God's return is coming, that doom and gloom, and you need to repent because he's coming. He is returning. And I have friends and relatives that are not Christians. And based on what scripture says, it might be just enough for me, maybe to change how I live around them, to change what I feel inside for the sake of Jesus, to be seen in me that they might know salvation. It's way too personal. 
but for the sake of the lost, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul's not saying, I look at me, I'm the savior. He's like, Jesus, what he did through me. I want them to know that same salvation. I want them to understand that there is freedom. Not by rules, not for a checklist. Some Christians are too free, selfish, to allow God to use them to be a greater witness or have an impact in their own family or with their friends or neighbors. Who's your neighbor? God says, love your neighbor. Eh, My neighbor is the guy next door. We kind of get along, we hang out. My neighbor definitely is not that person like 30 miles down the road that I remember when they drove on my lawn right after I cut it and I put that new saw down there and it was looking good. I pruned those trees and it was all good and they tore it up. We can learn how to forgive and not walk in bitterness from something that happened to us 30 years ago or 70 years ago. We can learn how to forgive because God forgave us to understand our neighbors, those that we come in contact with. Our neighbors, not those seated next to us necessarily. They are your neighbor. It's not just It's those that you just come in contact with, random strangers. It's not so random because for that moment, God wanted you to see their face or to share a smile or to have a conversation with them. Love your neighbor by living Jesus. Not through legalistic methods or point scale checklists, but with a responsive heart to obey the voice of God. Jeff, you're meddling. Is that the word? You're kind of meddling. You're kind of into my business. Like you talked about money. You talked about lust. Well, we talk about the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. And we understand by scripture that what you sow, you also reap. So God has a purpose for us. Jesus is our example. And the Holy Spirit speaks, leads, and guides us. So if you're taking notes, which I know you all are, all mental notes and like putting this down, God has a purpose for us. Jesus is our example. And the Holy Spirit speaks, leads, and guides us. At times, Christians, we gravitate towards, well, God has a purpose for me. This is awesome. Or Jesus, look who he reached out to. Look how he loved the poor, the widows, the children. Look who he went to, the sinners. Look who he mingled with. Or it's the Holy Spirit. I'm seeking the greater works. I'm seeking the supernatural. I just want to be so guided, so led. You need the Trinity, which is God, his purpose, Jesus, his example, and the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We cannot separate. He is consistent with his word. That is the Holy Bible. That's why it's so important to know what the Bible says. So as we close, Timothy 15 years old, high school kid. Hey, I just got baptized. I want to follow Jesus. Paul, you want to mentor me? I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. I want to share my story. I want to be a witness to others. Wait, what? What are you willing to sacrifice that God's asking you to give up for the sake that some might know salvation? So the churches were strengthened because of this 15-year-old saying, ah, are you sure? Okay, I heard from God. 
I'm going to obey. The churches were strengthened because he obeyed. They grew in their faith and they grew larger every day because God's salvation was revealed. The people gave up their rights. They gave up their freedom for the sake of Jesus to be revealed in and through them for others because, and I thank God it's no longer this way. If I had married a black woman 50 years ago, there are those that wouldn't even attend this church if I was preaching. Frankly, there are those that have issues with Bethany being white and me being Asian. Seems so ridiculous. And that is shameful and that is sinful racism. But we give up what we have a right to, our opinion. Well, you know, this happened in the past. We give up the right because Jesus, so cliche, but Jesus gave up his life for us so that we could strengthen one another, the church. And the church, the Big C Church, could grow daily in knowing his salvation. So if you're like, Jeff, you're just telling me how to live. Well, yeah, live like Jesus. Well, you're telling uh, all the issues scripture talks about. How does your life align? It's not going to align by you gritting your teeth and saying, oh, I really want to do it. It's going to be like, hey, God, if you're in it, then I want to be obedient to you. So as we close, I'm going to ask you to stand, keep your eyes open. You could glare at me or glare at the screen or think about those that need to know the truth of Jesus. What does that mean for our lives? What do we need to change for the sake of others? Well, come on, they're old enough. Um, we, we know somebody, I know somebody that uh, they sing on the worship team. And then they said, hey, I need this month off because it's really busy at my work. They volunteer. It's really busy at work, so I'm not just not going to um, be able to sing. And I said, okay. But this person, when I asked, they said, well, I'm not going to go to church this month. So, well, why? Well, I'm so tired from serving, and it's just like kind of a stress that I, you know, if I'm not going to be up front, I think I'm just going to sleep in. I would suggest, and we try not to have things too early, but I would suggest that giving up a little bit of sleep to be strengthened as a body of Christ, it's more than just singing. It's more than just serving. It's simply being the body of Christ. This is what we were designed for, created for. This is Jesus' example. This is how the Holy Spirit leads us. So this is how I ask you to hold me accountable as I ask you to live as well. Jesus, may we follow you. Just follow you. So let us hear your truth and walk in obedience. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah.